It's Monday, September 10th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Allen. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager. Gentlemen, happy Monday. Yo. It's a new week. It is a new week. We've got a coffee stock on the rise. We have a revolutionary new food hitting the shelves, and we will dip into the full mailbag. But we're going to start today with AIG, the insurance giant. Shares fell about 1.5% this morning after the U.S. Treasury Department said it will sell $18 billion worth of shares. If you're scoring at home, this takes Uncle Sam's stake from 53% of the company down to about 20%. And as always, if you're not scoring at home, try What are you doing? Try flowers. Um, Joe, AIG is going to buy back about $5 billion of the shares, and the rest is going to be available to the public. This is a company I know that you watch closely. Yeah. What do you think of this? Are you surprised by the timing? Because it was just a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how the Fed had closed out their stake. I'm surprised by the magnitude. Uh, the Fed, or I'm sorry, the, the Treasury has been unloading their stake as quickly and orderly as possible, and they've been ramping up the pacing and size, but this size of a sell is huge, and I think this is their one big move to exit. And they're still going to own 18%, but safe to say that if they can get rid of this huge block, they'll be able to get rid of the rest in an orderly fashion. And I think it's a win for the government and for AIG. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, I applaud it. I mean, it's it's a great time to be selling it, I think, at the market highs. It's, uh, it's something that has to be done at, at some point. And I, I'll be interested to see how this leads us into the sale of other uh, government-owned assets. I mean, I think of things like GM, for example, where I, I believe the federal government owns a significant stake. They're still and uh, yes. interested <laughs> to see how, uh, how, they, how they unload that. I know the position is still uh, underwater, I guess you could say. And um, I don't know that it'll necessarily come back above water. But, you know, I mean, it, it's it's great timing, I think. Well, I think, honestly, I think now's a great time to be buying AIG. I think it's great for the Treasury in that they're unloading the stake, they're just getting out, and they're going to walk away with a profit, which I think we're all pretty shocked at. You know, early yeah. last year, they owned 92% of the company because they had to convert a bunch of preferreds that they offered as a bailout into equity. Long story short, they're going to walk away with an independent AIG that's employing tens and tens of thousands of people. The government's going to make money. I think everyone's pretty happy. And the stock is now at 0.56 book value, and AIG is buying back about $13 billion worth this year. I mean, that's a great pickup for shareholders. And it was a rescue operation. It's not like this all just was from inception. It wasn't like it was a, it was an operation geared towards making a profit necessarily, as it was just about saving a lot of, uh, of our free economy here in, in the United States. So uh, to be able to walk away making a, a nice little chunk of change from it, I think, is an extra extra bonus. Yeah. And just to close out, not on the stock, because Joe, it's clear that you think that this is a, a buying opportunity for people who are interested in this space. Let me instead ask you about book value, because it's something we talk about a lot. When something is as big as AIG trading at, what you say, 0.6 book value, yeah. at what point does book value become a metric that you look at and say, well, now it's high enough that it's it's time to sell? Is it one and a half or something like that? Yeah, it varies. Um, book value or price to book is a good way to think about financial institutions at large from banks to insurers because it's a more grounded representation of assets price to book isn't worth uh, anything for like say google where it's intellectual property and there aren't a lot of hard assets on the table um, you know in this case i think generally if a stock or a company is earning returns on equity of around 10 12 percent 
it's probably going to sell for around book value over the long term. And that's because that's what the market is looking for from stocks. If they can get above that, then it'll probably trade above that and vice versa. Shares of Green Mountain Coffee Roasters up more than 10% earlier today. On Friday, the company announced plans for a new line of health drinks. And Jason, I should point out that shares were up on Friday as well. You, you, you bundle Friday's gains and the gains today, you're looking at a stock that's up more than 20%. What do you think of this? Let's go out and buy it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, some people are thinking that way. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, that's uh, that's what we're seeing in the stock price today. And I think, you know, from from that perspective, that Green Mountain is showing itself as as a company that's going to have more offerings. It's not something that is just going to sort of sit back and let uh, the market more or less its market market forces dictate what it does. This is a good thing uh, in that they are offering more. Uh, but we're still looking at a company that, at the end of the day, they are going to be losing these patents on these Keurig machines and. You know, come this holiday season, Starbucks has their own little machine coming out called the Barismo, which is is a big deal. I mean, the holiday season is when about half these sales for these single serve machines take place anyway. Uh, I think there's a lot of marketing that goes on with these health style beverages, so I'm not one that necessarily buys into that. It all sounds really good, and so I think it's great from the perspective that they're offering more. Uh, but at the end of the day, you still have a company here that it's it's free cash flow negative. It doesn't make really any money. Uh, and and if you look at it over the past five years, its share count has actually increased by almost fifty percent. So from an investor's perspective, I don't know that this is really any more of an uh, attractive of a company. From a consumer's perspective, sure, why not? I mean, there's there's more more out there than they had before. Uh, but for, as an investor, I, I still it doesn't do anything to sway me. Joe, we've talked about uh, a company like Facebook, which makes a lot of money in advertising. It just obviously hasn't made enough money in advertising. Are you going to propose putting ads on cake? <laughs> no, no, no. Stick with me. Uh, it just doesn't make enough money to justify its market cap. Yeah. To Jason's point about the patents uh, for um, you know the K-Cups you know expiring soon, is Green Mountain Coffee Roasters is that is that a death knell for this company, or is it or does it just mean look, this is a company that is just going to be a whole lot smaller, and if as an investor you're expecting it the stock price to just shoot to the moon and be a real growth stock, you're in for a world of hurt. Yeah, it's not a death knell, but it does mean they're not going to get the same price in on K-Cups that they did before, and that's going to hurt profits ultimately. Uh, you know, I do think these line extensions are pretty smart because they've already got the installed base of machines, so you might as well make a little more money on it. And being able to put more beverages through a Keurig definitely adds to the value, so they'll sell more units. But, you know, we're talking about Lemonade and tea, these aren't items that most Americans drink on a daily basis, like we do coffee. So it's a nice, it's a smart little, you know, expansion of the franchise, but not something I'd be pushing a stock 30% up over. Yeah, I mean, it just at this time when we, I mean, we know that food cost inflation is coming into play. People are very mindful of what they're buying when they go to the grocery stores. The grocery stores like Safeway and Kroger already have their own little store branded K cup, right. uh, you know, items in the mix here. Uh, so that as soon as these patents do run off, they're going to be getting those things on the shelves. And I think that's certainly a value proposition that many consumers will will at least look at uh, when going through the aisles. And so, yeah, I, I think that it's it's. 
they're going to have to do a lot more than just this to really stay relevant. They could probably just keep on going along, but I don't know if there's a whole lot of growth left there. You can always drop us an email. Radio at fool.com is our email address. And the emails continue to pour in in response to last week's episode where our producer, Matt Greer, played out Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On for, frankly, a long time. And I, My I, wife loved it. <laughs> And we haven't gotten any emails from Celine Dion. We have not heard from Celine Dion. We have not heard from her attorneys. But if they want to contact us, radio at full.com is the, is the way to do that. Uh, email from uh, it, we, raising the whole question of what music would you consider to be torture. Uh, Michelle emailed us, when I was in my early teens, I went on a church retreat with my then boyfriend, a Pink Floyd fan. Picture a 12-hour bus ride. It's late. We're in the back of the bus alone. I want to make out... He wants to listen to The Wall over and over for 12 hours. That, my friends, is what hell is like. It's been 20 years, and I still cringe whenever I hear one of those songs on the radio. Uh, and from Rick... Michelle, don't feel bad about missing out on that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Michelle, that, that may have been a blessing in disguise yeah. for Michelle. Uh, and from Rick Sturkey in Afghanistan, uh, he writes, My buddy was tortured in the Air Force Siri School, and Siri stands for Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape. He was tortured in the Air Force Series School with Yoko Ono songs. Needless to say, they broke him in less time than it takes to drive over a speed bump. My West Point summer hazing days were spent, were spent waking up to George Thurgood's Bad to the Bone and Guns N' Roses' Welcome to the Jungle. Whenever I hear those songs, I have to remind myself I am no longer at West Point, but safe here in Afghanistan. Uh, finally... <laughs> Uh, our final story today, guys, Kraft Foods is a $71 billion company, and yet shares are up today on heavier-than-usual volume. And I believe it's because candy corn Oreos are hitting the shelves today for the first time and just in time for the Halloween season. These are limited-edition Oreos that feature vanilla wafers with yellow and orange-colored <laughs> cream available at Target stores across the company. I should also point out shares of Target up, up running ahead of the market today. I'm just saying. Whenever you put <laughs> limited edition Oreo and candy corn in the same sentence, I mean, you can't help but see good things happen. This candy I, I, corn is gross. Oh come on! This is one of those candies that got invented like 70 years ago, and just total. It, and what does it say I, that it's still around? Exactly. It's gross. No kid out there wants candy corn. I beg. You Why do they keep making it then? Good question. <laughs> I bet if you could measure candy corn share, it has fallen like a rock over the last 30 years. Now my first reaction to this was i you know oreos candy corn my first thought was boy this is going to save me some time because mm-hmm. now i'm just getting them together there at the same go. but but i mean what about that jason i mean to the whole notion of limited edition is this just like is this an effective thing even if it's just in the short term even as just a brand awareness thing for when you think about a, a brand like oreo which has been around for a hundred years yeah it seems like there's not a lot they can do this seems like a a relatively small bet that a company can make oh it's an extremely small bet and i was gonna say a hundred years i've been around for a few of those and i don't know that i've ever heard of candy corn uh, oreos before this is the first i've yeah. heard of those I mean, I'm an Oreo fan, and man, I like candy corn, too. So, I mean, hey, put your hands together, and I think you got something special. I think it's pop worthy, and I'm going to go ahead and give them a buy. Kraft is going to be splitting uh, on October 1st, the, uh, and we've talked about this before, the North American grocery business, which is Oscar Mayer and Planters Nuts and that sort of thing. That's going to be spun off as Kraft Foods Group. And the remaining company, which includes Oreos, Cadbury, Trident Gum, 
Uh, that's going to be Mondelez International. I, I think we're all huge fans <laughs> of that name. Um, what about that? Is that? I mean, when you when you look ahead to that, I, I know I'm, I'm sort of putting you guys on the spot here, but is there is there one of those two that seems like a better bet? Because clearly, beyond the brands themselves, there's a regional bet that you're making with the North American grocery business versus brands like Cadbury, you know, that have greater exposure in Europe. What do you think, Joe? I'd go with Mondelez, even though it has a terrible name. Um, and, you know, I haven't spent a lot of time looking at the two separate components with that caveat. But to me, I, I think those brands are likely to carry higher margins, probably have international growth ahead, more appealing of the two. Jason, yeah. what do you think? You know, I think that I, I agree with you. And the reason is because of the Cadbury component there. And I don't think it's – we don't see it enough here in the United States other than at Easter time with those god-awful cream eggs. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, you talk about candy corns, but I don't like those cream eggs. But anyway, I mean, like in my travels, uh, you know, through Egypt and, and elsewhere, Cadbury is huge. It's all over the world. We don't see it so much here in the states, but Cadbury is a tremendous brand uh, internationally speaking. And so I think there's a lot to be said there. Yeah, I mean, the irony is they overpaid for it not all that long ago, and now they're spinning it off. Yeah, yeah but I believe they're still running the same television commercial for those Cadbury cream eggs that they were running like 25 years ago. So, Stupid little bunny rabbits so maybe like chickens. Maybe they overpaid for the company, but they are not spending a dime on, on new advertising creative. Uh, before we wrap up, i got to mention something that's, that's coming later this month on September 25th, and that is Worldwide Invest Better Day, which is an initiative here at The Motley Fool. Uh, if you want to join us in that, just go to investbetterday.com. It's a free site. Uh, you may have seen on August 24th, David and Tom Gardner, the co-founders of The Motley Fool, rang the opening bell of the day's trading uh, at the New York Stock Exchange. And uh, we actually have a great video at investbetterday.com, which includes footage of that and, and the guys taking the train up to New York and all that sort of thing. And if you're new to investing, and we know from emails we've gotten from uh, our dozens of listeners that there are folks who are, who are relatively new to investing, uh, it's definitely something you want to check out because it's a a free service that we're going to be launching on September 25th. And if you're a more experienced investor, if you're one of our services, and we, and if you're a member of one of our services, and, and we know from our emails that some of you out there are, uh, it's something that you might want to share with, uh, with your kids, nieces, nephews, friends, anyone who you think would benefit. Uh, it's going to be a, a great new free service that we're launching September 25th, so check it out. Better uh, than candy corn. <laughs> it's going to pay better dividends than candy corn. I will agree there. Investbetterday.com. Joe Mager, Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Ringing endorsements with Joe Mager. <laughs> Better than candy corn. It's part of our new podcast, Damning with Faint Praise, with your host, Joe Mager. <clears throat>